Welcome in to the Pokes Report Podcast. Zach Lancaster here alongside the always knowledgeable, faithful, and always roaming Marshall Levinson. What's up, man? Nothing much. Just uh, in the car on the road right now, uh, heading home. Um, Been a pretty laid-back day. How about you? Uh, You know, did a little here, did a little there. Um, just got done doing radio, so I'm still I'm still in my I can talk mode before I uh, <laughs> before I shut it down for the night. I'm I'm pretty tired, man. I'm not gonna lie. I'm I'm ready for I'm ready for this day to be over. But we got a lot to talk about. A lot has happened in the last three to four days that we need to dig into. Um, just kind of a kind of a rundown here. We're gonna get into uh, getting a little football recruiting because we're what. Two and a half, two, two and a half weeks out from uh, the in-person recruiting dead period being canceled. Uh, we got a ton of official visits coming up. Um, all the commits plus um, some top recruits uh, for Oklahoma State will be on campus in a couple of weeks. So we're going to get into a little bit of that. Uh, we're going to discuss Avery Anderson coming back. That's uh, the implications of that. That's huge. We're going to talk a little Bedlam baseball. We're going to talk a little uh, George Bush. He was set to throw out the opening pitch of the TCU series in 2020. Uh, and then we all know what happened there. COVID struck. Um, so Oklahoma State officially dedicating the, the stadium, Obraid Stadium, uh, next week on Thursday, May 20th, to open up the New Orleans series. Uh, and former President George W. Bush will be throwing out the opening pitch on that. We got a, a Warbird flyover scheduled for that game. We got fireworks, all kinds of stuff. We're going to talk a little Oklahoma State football. Uh, PFF put out their uh, top ten returning safeties list. Uh, and Oklahoma State had two guys make the cut. Uh, Eddie Sutton officially goes into the Naismith Hall of Fame on Saturday. We're going to discuss a little bit of that. Um, we're going to talk a little Bryce Thompson. He's set to make it. So we're recording. Uh, this is Wednesday, right? Today, Wednesday. Yeah, it is Wednesday, May, May 12th, May 12th. Bryce Thompson is scheduled to announce his commitment to either Oklahoma state, Tulsa, or OU that's coming out May 13th, which is a Thursday at noon central time. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, so that that's that's going to be interesting. Um, I'm curious to see how that all plays out. Um, we don't got a lot of time either. We got about 35, 40 minutes. Uh, I have a prior obligation I got to get to, but and, and it may sound like we got a lot to talk about, and we do. But we got plenty of time to get rid of it. We got plenty of time to go through it. Uh, and Marshall, uh, in the um, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, which coming up in a couple of months, I will. Yeah, I, was say. <laughs> I will give you. Uh, I will give you first choice to talk about whatever you want to to start this this podcast. Uh, let's just go with some some football recruiting, just because I put up a uh, summer primer on Pokes Report yesterday. I've just got that article pulled up. Yeah, it's a, it's a big one, man. We've got we've got a pretty hefty list of uh, of guys that are coming out. Um, on top of that, Oklahoma State announced with. Uh, with the uh, the ending of in-person recruiting, um, or the the dead period that they're also going to be holding their uh, their yearly camps again, uh, you got a mini camp coming up June sixth. You got the down and dirty lineman camp coming up June eighth. 
They got their youth camp on the 14th, and the special team camp's coming up uh, on the 15th. And I would have to think that somewhere in there is going to be their uh, their top-tier uh, freak show camp. Um, though I'm not – I haven't seen it, but I would have to think that they would have that because that's always um, – that that's a hell of a thing, man. I, I've been to a few of those, and there is some really, really good talent uh, at those, so I'll be curious to see if they're going to have that. But, Marshall, let's uh, let's start off with the official visits. Uh, Oklahoma State setting at 10 official commits right now. Um, how many of those guys will be in Stillwater for an official visit coming up in June? Uh, all 10 of them are going to be there, and as of right now, all 10 of them are scheduled to be there on the same three-day period of June 9th through 11th. So that will be very, very good for business because this will be the first time that all 10 of them, uh, and this is just 10 at the moment, um, some could be added before then, some could be added during that weekend. So the 10 we're talking about right now are the ones as of May 12th, but um, this will be the first time they're all together um, in, in one place. Um, and the guys that are going to be there with them are some of their top targets. So uh, it'll be very, very good for Oklahoma State to have all of those guys in, in one spot. And uh, then over the next coming weekends after that, you will, uh, you will see uh, anywhere from one to five to six more each weekend as they, uh, they kind of trickle down through June. And I think right now they have 36 official visits scheduled out of 50 that are allowed. So they're trying to get most of them done right now, and I think the, those other 14 will probably be done and either scheduled in June or I would not be surprised to see come during uh, the actual season. So they've got it pretty much already completed of who they're going to be taking in um, as far as those, those visits, and they're going to be very, very uh, um, packed. I will, I will say that. They're, there's going to be a lot of guys there, and – those are just the uh... – what are you doing, man? Huh? Wait, are you making noises? No. <laughs> oh, okay, it's not like something was scratching. Yeah, no, uh, I, don't, I don't know what you're hearing. I'm just sitting here. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, but along – it's not just going to be official visits. It's going to be some unofficials coming in here and there. We don't really know who those are going to be. They can kind of just show up whenever. Mm-hmm. So uh, that, those will be kind of interesting to see what's going to happen on that front. But um, – we at Pokes Report are going to have uh, in-depth coverage of like all of those visits and those guys, and um, we're going to be getting coverage of them away from the away from campus too as they go through their summer workouts and practices and everything. So it'll be uh, it'll be fun to kind of monitor how those visits go, and I have a feeling that we're going to get anywhere from probably five to six or eight commitments out of those visits over the summer. So it'll it'll be fun to to kind of watch it play out. Yeah, you're you're talking about that June 9th through 11th. I think it's uh, 13, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. So there's going to be 16 guys that are scheduled uh, as of right now uh, for that uh, for that date. And I, I think what's huge, you look at the talent. I'm mean, obviously all the commits are going to be here. You know, you'll have Mason Gilkey, uh, Ollie Gordon, CJ uh, CJ Brown. You'll have Gabe Brown, Cameron Epps, Avion Jones. 
Garrett Rangel, Brennan Presley, Jordan Cook, and Landon Dean. But you look at some of those other guys that, that aren't commits. you got defensive tackle Trey Emery, uh, defensive end Deshaun Brown, DJ McKinney. Uh, you'll have uh, J.J. Patton. You'll have Brennan Thompson. And you'll have Roberts Dave, the, the Cowboy back uh, Baylor commit. And I think what's interesting is, for me, I'm curious about Brennan Thompson. Because you look at you look at who Oklahoma State has commit right now. You've got Mason Gilkey, you've got Brennan Presley. So if you're if you're talking wide receiver commits, obviously Brennan Thompson would be a huge get for Oklahoma State. He's sitting there. He's a five star recruit. How many? You know, you you you've had your finger on the pulse of Oklahoma State recruiting for a while now. How many receivers do you feel Oklahoma State can take in this class? I think they're going to take three, and I think that's kind of their um, – They obviously they have Gilkey and Presley already in. Gilkey's going to be an outside guy. He's a tall guy, 6'4 with speed. Uh, Braylon's going to be on the inside, obviously, as we know, being a slot guy. And then Brennan, he's kind of a, a tweener. He's uh, taller than Presley, but not as tall as Gilkey, but he runs a 10-3 runs a, a 100-meter dash. So he's one of the fastest recruits in the country, and yep. he is by far he is one of the top players on their board, and he is being chased after by a lot of schools. And there's like a, a kind of a unofficial top two or three, and Oklahoma State is, is right in the middle of that with Clemson, and then Texas is kind of sticking around. Um, but, I mean, right now Oklahoma State is his only, I think, his only scheduled official visit. Um, now I think he will be taking officials to Clemson and Texas, but it, it is good that kind of one of his first priorities was to get to Oklahoma State, and I, I think that that bodes well for them. But I don't think, and if you're if you're a, if you're Brendan Thompson looking at the numbers, I don't think that Gilkey or Presley, or just having two receivers in all at all, is is scaring him away by any means, especially because there's going to be three, four, five receivers on the field at all times with his talent level he knows that he'll be able to crack the field early no matter who's in a class. So, and and that may kind of play well for Oklahoma State looking at, because, I mean, Clemson's going to have good receivers. Texas most of the time has some pretty talented receivers. And those rooms may be kind of clogged at times. And Oklahoma State, as we know, has a lot of receivers sometimes. But he may look at Oklahoma State and say, hey, that's my best option to play early. And that's what a lot of guys want. So, I think they got a good chance. Um, we'll see June 9th through 11th how it works out. And Stillwater's kind of that's that's his lifestyle. He yeah. likes the country. He I was likes just the, fixing to bring that up. The, the more country rural lifestyle. He doesn't really care. I mean, not I don't want to say he doesn't care for the big city, um, but I mean he, he he will fit in well with Stillwater. It's it's not something that is going to be like a culture shock to him. That's that's kind of his vibe. So I'm excited to see how that plays out as well as the other guys and. Uh, as far as like just to answer that again, I think that three receivers is probably their hope, and and it, it starts with Gilkey and Presley and ends with Pre- and ends with Brennan Thompson. Well, yeah, you know, and you, and you look at it. If if we were talking running backs, which Oklahoma State has their two running backs, you know, you're bringing in Ollie Gordon, you're bringing in C.J. Brown out of Beggs. Uh, those two guys are incredibly talented. I, I really like. Uh, I really like what Oklahoma State has been able to do there. Um, they've brought in some really good running back talent over the past four or five years, and they're certainly continuing with that. Now, if, if we're talking running backs, 
you know, and, and they're looking at bringing in a, a potential third, uh, you know, official visit running back, then I would uh-huh. be like, yeah, you know, that doesn't make a lot of sense because you already, you know, you've got your running backs of the future right now. You know, you've you've got plenty of backs uh, in Stillwater right now. You're bringing in two more. Wouldn't wouldn't really make sense to to uh, bring in an official visit now. If you look through that list on Pokes Report, there are there are other running backs uh, that are that are scheduled for visits, but they're unofficial. Um, which why not? You know, if you, you well, well I mean, Jamarion Miller. If you look on the list, Jamarion Miller has an official visit scheduled, and he's coming. And he's a four star guy. He's if, depending on who you look at, he's ranked higher than both CJ and Ollie. Now, all of that's based on opinion. I think Ollie Gordon's a yeah. top three running back in the country. And I think CJ, CJ is maybe not as, he's, he's, he's not as big as Ollie, but he's faster. So it's kind of like a give and take thing. It's every, every, both of those running backs have their own kind of niche they fit into. But I, I do think that if they can, they will bring Jamarion Miller into this class uh, and I think the way that they're looking at it, I think I think the way that they know they're probably going to lose, they they're going to lose two running backs for sure, possibly three, because they're going to lose Jalen Warren, they're going to lose LD Brown, and depending on what happens with Desmond Jackson, he's eligible to leave, so that is a possibility. Mm-hmm. So then you're you're left with uh, Desmond Jack, or you're left with um, Dominic Richardson and Zach Middleton as your only scholarship running backs on the team, and then you're adding Jaden Nixon with this class, so technically three. And I think with the way that what they've seen in the past, Chuba went down last year a little bit. LD had some problems. They needed that depth, and it proved very, very valuable. So I think they're always going to try to keep five to six scholarship running backs on the roster. So I could see them bringing in three. I don't know if it'll happen but the numbers are there set up for it if they would, if they care to do it and they'll have an opportunity but i think that you you will automatically set up for the future very very uh, positively with CJ and Ollie and you could not go wrong with either of those guys well and and that was going to be that was going to be one of my next questions because you look at you know you look at who they who you could potentially lose um, i could see I could see Dez leaving. Um, I don't predict it, but, no, it, but it's possible. He would have to, I think Dez would have to have a really, really good season. Now, the, yeah. the short amount of time we saw him last year, I mean, Dez was solid. We, you know, we saw right. that we saw that he could go out there. He's a bit. He's a finesse back. You know, he's really quick. He's shifty. He's also a bruiser back. That you know, it, it's rare that you get a back um, that can do both. Right now, so I very limited touches. You know, he didn't do anything in 2019. Uh, limited touches there uh, in 2020. Well, I say limited. He had 100 carries, uh, 547 yards, but he didn't really have that breakout until Texas Tech. You know, he had yeah. two, 235 uh, yards on 36 carries and three scores uh, against Tech. That was huge. Came out. He had 118 yards on 29 carries against uh, TCU. Um, now he, he had 91 yards against Kansas, but I mean, no offense, Marshall, but you could have 91 yards against Kansas. That's, um, yeah, that's not that hard. <laughs> you know, so he so he had that breakout there towards the end of the season. But you look at what he did against Baylor; he only had 10 carries for 38 yards. Um, he had seven carries for 21 yards against Miami. So definitely hit or miss. He is talented, but he's hit or miss. 
So he, I think Dez, now he'll be eligible, but I think Dez is going to have to have much more consistent production oh, this year. And, and, and you know what? And I think that's going to be hard. Um, you know, I think we went into the spring game thinking, all right, we've got, we've got three running backs that are really good. You know, obviously LD, he's back. He's that number one guy. And then you've got, uh, you've got Dom and you've got Dez. They're, I think those two guys are going to be fighting for carries, you know, to be who that, you know, to see who's going to be that number two back. And then all of a sudden you see the, the emergence of Jalen Warren. Now I'm not saying that Jalen all of a sudden is going to be that second back. I, I, I'm really curious to see um, how this plays out. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I do not envy the Oklahoma State. I don't envy Waz at all. I, I, because you look at, you've got LD, who's really good. You've got Dez and Dom, who really came onto the scene last year, proved they could be really good. Jalen Warren, I think, surprised a lot of people at the spring game. And while I don't think he's a candidate to take carries away from anyone else, I think Zach Middleton is is in the mix yeah. to because he he proved that he has what it takes. Now I'm not like I said, I don't think he's going to go out there. He's not going to take carries from people. Um but he can do it. So all of a sudden you go from a three back room, all of a sudden you got five backs that can get it done. Dez is going to have a he's going to have a he's going to have a problem trying to to really put up a lot of production uh in order to get drafted next year. I I'm not saying that he won't, but he's going to have to hoof it. So yeah. Um it's going to be interesting because if you're Oklahoma State, how do you play bringing in potentially three running backs in a class? Because I, I could see bringing in two. You know, I, I think two is very feasible. I think two is very doable um, because you are going to lose LD, and I think you're going to lose uh, you'll lose Jalen Warren. So you you need to replace those backs. But it's to me is like, are we going to lose Dez? We don't know. We could. So do we go ahead and bring in another back? Because with what the NCAA has done with the transfer portal, everyone can transfer willy-nilly now. So if you bring in three backs, are you gonna, you know, are you gonna lose one of those backs before the season's over? Are you gonna lose one of your one of your returning backs? They're like, eh, hey, you know what? You're bringing in my replacement. Like that's that's another wrinkle. Now, obviously, with a guy. Uh, as good as Jamari and uh, Miller, like that, you would you would take that if he was like, I want to come to Oklahoma State. You would say, okay, come on. But it, it it creates it creates some some tension. I feel. Yeah, I mean, the good thing is, I guess, and with with other positions, I would say like because most positions you can bring in three to four a year outside yeah. of quarterback. You're not bringing in three to four quarterbacks. You're not going to bring in more than three running backs. You're not offensive line. You're going to bring in in plenty. Your linebackers probably a couple, defensive line probably a couple. But it, I will say the one thing with running backs, and I think teams find this out the hard way. I would rather have too many than too little. No, you're right. So I think two. I think they're straight. I think three. I think they're beaming because all those guys have, has immense talent. But yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But it'll. Uh, I don't. And I think they'll be healthy either way. So. Oh, no doubt. I, uh, but, yeah, those, those official visits are going to be fun. It'll be fun to uh, kind of see their reactions and see. One thing I'm interested to see is how I want to see how Oklahoma State's maybe – maybe they haven't, maybe they have uh, kind of changed or updated how they go about those official visits. They haven't had them in 15 months. I could see so, I could see them going all out and making this super that, glitzy. I think, you'll see, I think you'll see the red carpet being rolled out Absolutely. For, for a lot of these guys. And uh, – 
I'm interested to see how the photo shoots go. I'm see, interested to see what setups different schools have. They've had 15 months to practice and work on it and try to look their best. So that'll that's the kind of stuff that I look at that, like, really people may not pay attention to, but that, that plays a, a big role in what recruits think about you is kind of what do you do in the process? How bad do you really want me? How how much of a, a how 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 much can you show me that you really love me kind of stuff? So that'll be interesting to see. Absolutely. Anyways, Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, we're going to we got some other topics, but like, yeah, let's let's hit some of these other topics if uh, if you can read them off. Yeah, that's what I'm going to that's what I'm going to go to now. We're going to we're going to stick with football cuz we didn't have a lot of football. It was going to be recruiting, uh, but we are going to we're going to hit on uh, PFF, Pro Football Focus. They released um, they, they're going through their positions, and they release their uh, top ten returning safeties in the country. Um, if I had to say, now obviously you've seen the list, but if I had to say Trey Sterling or Colby Harvell Peel as higher on that list, I, I'm, I'm 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 nothing against Trey. I like Trey a lot. I think Trey is a really really good receiver, and a lot of people, a lot of other people do too. But if I had, but if I, what did I say? Corner. You said receiver. Receiver. I don't know where I'm at. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's a he's a hell of a safety. Well, he could be a receiver. I mean, good lord, yeah. uh, interceptions. <laughs> um, but you know, you you look at what he's done, and he's really really good, and he's going to make a huge impact this year more than he did last year. But if I had to look at safeties, I would I would have to say that in my mind, Colby Harvell Peel was a was ahead of him. Um, but Trey Sterling checks in at number six uh, on PFF's uh, top ten returning safeties. Um, this is what they had to say. Sterling first took a starting job in 2019 season uh, and immediately made his name known as one of the top cover safeties in the country. Since then, he ranks fourth among all FBF safeties in coverage grade and has racked up 14 combined pass breakups and interceptions in that span, seventh at the position in FBS. I would have to think the pass breakups and interceptions, it's not 14 apiece. Uh, he, had two, he had two interceptions last year, so... I think those are those are just combined numbers. You look at him; he had 74 total tackles, uh, 51 of which were solo stops. He had 12 tackles for loss, which led the team. Two forced fumbles led the Big 12, uh, which is wild. As 12 uh, 12 tackles for loss led the Big 12 as well, and 5.1 solo stops uh, ranked second. Uh, solo stops per game uh, ranked second uh, in the conference. So that thoughts on that because I I I know that Trey Sterling is good, and I expected him. When they said two Oklahoma State safeties are on that list, I expected him to be on there, but I expected Colby to be higher. So um, Colby is—he's uh, actually the eleventh guy on that list. He's the uh, guys to watch kind of player. So um, thoughts on thoughts on that that list in that order? Um, if it were twenty nineteen, I probably would have said Colby above Trey um, because Colby was without a doubt, one of the best safeties in the country. Yeah. I mean, he had, he had better numbers than every single Jim Thorpe Award finalist, which it just goes to show, and, and he was not one of them, which was just dumb. But this past season, Colby struggled a little bit. I mean, he, he his numbers went down a lot, and Trey kind of shined a little bit more. I wouldn't say they reversed roles because Trey was still very good the year before. But it's not surprising to me to see that uh, it's not it's not surprising at all to me to see both of them are on the list in some capacity. I would have I would completely expect that, but it's not that surprising to me to see Trey a little bit above them. Um, 
I do think that both of them will be at their best this upcoming season. Yeah. And I think I think Colby got hindered a little bit because of COVID. Um, and I mean, Gundy has talked about it a little bit at times, kind of here and there, that he was one of those guys that maybe wasn't in shape all as as good as he should have been or would have been with a normal off season and everything. So. Uh, I think Trey was probably closer to his peak at times. Um, and that's why he, I think he kind of got the nod above Colby a little bit. But I would not be what was and I can't remember were there any other schools with more than with more than one safety on the list? I don't think so. I've got the list right here. Um, let's see. you got Tyreek Smith of Georgia's number one, Kyle Hamilton, Notre Dame two. Brandon Joseph, Northwestern, three. Uh, Malachi Moore, Alabama, four. Uh, Jaquan Brisker, Penn State, five. And obviously, Trey Sterling, six. Jordan Battle, oh, it's Alabama. Jordan Battle, Alabama, okay. seven. Uh, Braylon Trahan, Louisiana. Um, let's see, Jalen Catalan, uh, Arkansas. And then South Alabama, Keith, uh, Keith Gallman. I, I will say, I, I think that, you know, in their, their coverage grade, uh, that what they go off of, they had um, – they had Colby at an eighty nine point five in in twenty in twenty nineteen. He was really really good. Um, you know, led the country in pass breakups, which was which was crazy. Um, you look at um, you look at what he did this year. They had him ranked at fifty nine point five. So obviously those numbers dipped quite a bit. Uh, recorded forty four total tackles this year. Three uh, only three tackles for loss. Two interceptions. Four pass breakups. Um, but I think I, I would have to think that what and I don't know what he heard. Obviously, I'm not privy to that. I'm not best friends with Colby, um, but he obviously didn't hear from the NFL what he wanted to hear when he announced he was going to go into the NFL draft. So you would have to think with him coming back, he's like, "Hey, listen, uh, I had a hell of a 2019. I, I took a big dip in 2020, and I found out about that. I, that's what I heard from scouts. That's what I heard from GMs. I didn't hear what I wanted to hear. I've got a lot that I can work on, and, and I feel like that's really going to help Colby, and I think he'll have a bit of a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, I mean, uh, in kind of just going back to Oklahoma State being one of only two schools with two players on that list, you're essentially saying that – they're essentially saying Oklahoma State has the second best – group of safeties in the country yeah well and especially with what especially with the players that you have beneath them yeah and because because they said alabama had one and seven and oklahoma state has six and eleven so second best safety group in the country and that's not even counting you think about the third safeties that rotate in yeah jarrick jason taylor mcallister jason taylor like yeah mcallister i mean and then you have guys that people don't even know about, or maybe not as much, with Kanayon Williams, yep. Nick Session. I mean, those are guys that, if they're anywhere else in the country, they're at least getting rotated in. Yeah, they're that second guy. I mean, in a lot of places, they'll be the first guy. I mean, Kanayon Williams is probably there, – there's those guys that are those special teams gurus, and the coaches love them because they put them on special teams as gunners, and all they do is just make tackles. That's Kanayon Williams to a T. Yep. You put him in a tackle in a regular game, that dude's going to be a force of a, of a run stopper. So there's guys people haven't even heard about. that, And that's another thing, kind of going back to recruiting, I don't think they'll take a safety this year. 
or at least a true safety, um, because there's so many of them and they have a lot of young ones. So just for everyone out there, don't be surprised if they only bring in corners and don't bring in a safety because the ones we have are really good. Um, and we have a lot of them. So, uh, I'm very, very excited. Colby and Trey are my, two of my favorite players on this team and, uh, just as people and especially just as athletes. So I, uh, completely agree that they're two of the top in that kind of that elite group in that top threshold. So I, uh, I'm very excited to see their kind of development. And like we've said multiple times on de- several different platforms, I think that this 2021 season will be the best that kind of the Cowboys defense has been in a long time. And those two are probably going to be the main focal points behind that. Agreed. I, I think, I think Jim Knowles with what he's done, the players that he's been able to bring in over the past couple of seasons and, and the players that he's been able to develop, I, I think what's, it kind of gets it kind of gets by the wayside a little bit is the fact that you look at the injuries that they had sustained and the guys that we haven't even seen that we didn't get to see throughout spring. You know, you you look at the guys that we saw in spring ball um, and not in that list. You know, Devin Harper, Trace Ford. I mean, you had a handful of guys that that are all Big Twelve type guys or potentially all Big Twelve type guys that that we didn't even get to see. So. We really didn't even get to see any of our starting defensive ends. No. We didn't see Trace Ford. We didn't see Tyron Irby. We didn't see Brock Martin. Grant no. Brendan Evers. I mean, none of those guys played. And the defense, in a, in a sense, won the spring game. Yeah. Like, they were dominant for a lot of that. Imagine putting them so, all together. Goodness gracious. Yeah, it, it'll be – I mean, if they can stay healthy, this will be – I would not be surprised if they get to the end of the season and – Jim Knowles finds himself manning a, a top 10 defense in the country because yeah. they were flirting with a lot of the individual stats. They were flirting with top 10 and there was a couple that were even number one or top three. So that overall defense is just going to be a, a something that big 12 defenses are not exactly fans of. Yeah, no doubt. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what this now. I, I think I'm more excited to see the defense. I, I'm excited for the offense. You know, they're, they're bringing back a lot of weapons. I'm, I'm excited to see, uh, eager to see if if Spencer Sanders has has continued to make the necessary steps uh, towards making that leap up in talent. I, I'm excited to see that. I'm I'm interested to see if you know how how much Shane Illingworth has pushed him because while I don't feel that it's a true quarterback competition, you know I I, I I'll, I've said it on my radio show. Um, I've said it on the site. I, Spencer Sanders gives Oklahoma State the best chance to win right now. He'll be the starting quarterback going into the fall. Um, but you look at what Shane has done, and I think it's certainly been a true quarterback battle. I, I think Shane Illingworth uh, and vice versa. It's Shane and Spencer, are they're going to push each other, and they have pushed each other uh, to be better. And, and I think with the progressions – that, that Shane has made and with what he looked like in the fall, I think Spencer has to be sitting there thinking, all right, man, listen, I got a guy behind me that's pretty good. He can get the job done. We know that. I can also get the job done, so I, I think it raises him to another level. So uh, I'm excited about that, uh, but I'm, I think I'm more so excited uh, to see what this defense does. We're going to talk a little baseball right now. We only got about 10, 15 minutes left, not a lot. Um, but it came out earlier this week, uh, a couple days ago, that uh, former President George W. Bush will be throwing out the opening pitch of the uh, the series opener against New Orleans Thursday, May 20th. 
That was originally scheduled uh, last March for the uh, start of the TCU series. Uh, this will be the official Obrate Stadium dedication. They've announced that there's going to be a Warbird flyover. Uh, they're going to have fireworks after the game. They announced on Sunday pr uh, prior to the uh, conclusion of the Bedlam softball series, uh, the athletic department announced the return to full capacity crowds uh, for the remaining home events uh, on campus. I, I fully expect there to be at least two or three baseball games in the Baylor series and New Orleans combined uh, where you're seeing a sold-out crowd. I, I fully think we're going to see a couple of sellouts, especially this game. This, If I were to pick any of them, it would be this game. I think George Bush showing up. I think the official stadium dedication. I think the fact – I think we found out really quickly throughout this pandemic that a lot of people are pretty spiteful. Um, you know what? You can't tell me – you've been telling me that I can't do this and I can't do that and I have to do this and I have to do that. I think that in itself is going to be enough to get people to come out in droves. I, I think I think Obrade is absolutely going to be bursting at the seams and then you add those festivities to it. And, and I think it's – I think you're set up for – you know, you're, you're going to be seeing those 8,000-plus crowds. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I'm, uh, I'm going to be getting down there on that day. I'm in, I'm in Texas right now, but I'll be back for that, for that day. Uh, I'm excited to kind of see the – we've seen the environment and kind of how excited Eagle Braid is, but, like, we haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, haven't seen its full potential. Its full potential, and I'm very excited for that, especially as we kind of – approach the postseason here so the coming off of a and we're going to talk about this coming off of a, a bedlam yeah. game man series series win um so people are excited it's not like they're doing this and we're at 500 on the season and lost our last two or three games or whatever so there's more more than just george w bush and kind of the oh to be excited for we're kind of we're playing really well um so yeah, I think that uh, I think it was also kind of important um, for just for kind of the morale of people. Yeah, and kind of getting back to normalcy. I think it was important to to fit George W. Bush, and because they very well just could have done it next season. Like, yeah, that's what I was they, thinking about it today. I was like, at this point, if it were up to me, I would have just waited. You know, because you you've got six more home games. You know, you're already you're already at the end of the regular season. Just Look at what your schedule is going to be like in the spring, and either do it, you know, have a have Texas or TCU or someone like that come in, uh, Texas Tech or something, or or maybe uh, maybe not Vanderbilt, but a Vanderbilt esque type non conference series, and and do something like that because with with everything that's happened, I'm with you, and I and I said it before. I think it'll be a sellout. I, I think with everything that's gone on with the pandemic and and where the program's at right now, and George W. and the flyover and the fireworks and everything, I think it'll be a sellout. But New Orleans, like no offense to them, probably going to win the Southland Conference, but they they don't do it for me. You know, they're they're not a draw, so I'm a little no, disappointed I, I on that. Even, I think I think at this point, I think it was, I think they kind of looked at it and were like, all right, we're because how many games is this New Orleans series? Three. Two? You got six. Three? You got three? you got three against Baylor, three against New Orleans. Okay, so three. It's the first game against New Orleans, and then they go into the Big Twelve tournament. Yeah. So I think I think the way when they looked at it, they were I think it was almost more of like a. I said like I don't know if morale boost is the right word. It sounds yeah I could agree with that. That sounds good. It's more of a it's more of a just a, an extra energ energizer kind yeah, of thing going into like the tournament. When people throw an extra shot of coffee in, like, 
it's kind of that thing, just getting people amped for the postseason. I mean, with all of that going on, New Orleans is probably going to get slaughtered, right? They're they're <laughs> yeah. they're probably going to get slaughtered. I would be on. surprised if it was anything less. I mean, and I like with all of those things going on, probably going to be a sellout crowd. Probably going to be a few of them, right? I, I just I think it'll be very good. Now, it would obviously be very cool if we were playing, freaking LSU, Miami, Florida State, one of those, and like George W. Bush comes out. Yeah. But I think for the just for the. And I think that would have been cool without COVID. Um, but for the time being, kind of the surrounding circumstances, I think this is probably the best option right now, just from a mental point of view. But, I mean, it'll happen. We'll see kind of what the outcome is. Hopefully it's like an exciting thing. Hopefully it actually is sold out. Because if we get there and there's like 4,000 people there, that would kind of be kind of depressing. But right. I mean, I don't expect that, but I because I think enough people around Oklahoma are really amped up for the stadium and everything. So I I hope it is everything that it kind of is is hyped up to be. Yeah. Like as far as just because I've been to Obrey 20 times already, or whatever. But I hope that everyone else that hasn't been there is there, and I hope the energy is just like you can tell that it's just kind of buzzing. Absolutely, and, and you mentioned it. Uh, coming off a 7-3 win, uh, Bedlam win over uh, OU in Tulsa at One Oak Field. Um, kind of had, had a scrimmage feel to it. Didn't, didn't really feel like a, like, a, uh, like a traditional Bedlam game. Wasn't super exciting. Um, several, was it 15 pitchers or something like that has been trotted out? It wasn't, not, you know, wasn't great pitching. We got, to see, uh, we got to see Houston Morrill come out and, and thoroughly impress me by throwing consistently 93 to 95 miles an hour. Um, I think I think that's huge. You look at what they did. They moved to eight and two uh, over OU uh, since Josh Holiday took over the program um, in Tulsa. I, I think that's 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 impressive in itself. Uh, Oklahoma State absolutely dominates uh, OU in Tulsa. CES stayed hot. Uh, he was. Uh, he was huge last night. He's hitting 374 on the season, 15 homers. He was three for four last night, two doubles and an RBI. Uh, that brings him up to uh, 16 doubles on the season. That's uh, 58 RBIs on just 67 hits. I mean that. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's some, <laughs> that's some that's Oklahoma some State stupid good numbers. Yeah, that's those are numbers right there that that you're gonna see you're gonna see him inducted into the Oklahoma State Ring of Honor uh, rather quickly. Uh, once he leaves Oklahoma State, Noah Seifert getting his first appearance since 2019, his first win since March 6th. He went three shutout innings last night. That's huge. And baseball is all about mentality. Um, this team has talent, but they've, they've struggled a little bit late. You know, you dropped two out of three against OU a couple weeks ago. Um, you had that huge series win against Kansas uh, to kind of pick up your, uh, like you said, pick up the morale a little bit. You had a big win against OU last night going into a pretty solid Baylor, uh, Baylor series. Uh, this weekend, so I'm I'm interested to see about that. We found out earlier this week Avery Anderson, he's returning for his junior season. Um, I'm not surprised. I, I'm not. I'm not no, gonna. Not I'm not all. gonna. Not gonna sugarcoat it. I'm I'm not surprised at all. I expected him to come back. Um, and I'm not even. I wouldn't even necessarily say I'm surprised it took as long as it did. I, I appreciate Avery looking at all the avenues and getting everything that uh, getting all the information that he could. Um, Average 12.2 points a, a game this past season, four rebounds, two assists. Um, what's really impressive is you look at those final 10 games of the season, 
uh, averaged 16 and a half points, and that includes that uh, that career high 31 points against West Virginia on the road without Cade Cunningham, without Isaac Likely. You look at what he's going to be able to do. Hopefully, he can continue that that that's that improvement. I, I you look at the leap he took between his freshman and sophomore season. Um, you can't replace Cade Cunningham, obviously. Um, I think, well, they're they're going to try to tomorrow. Well, yeah, that, that's true. That is true. But you look at you look at Avery, and it, and he's certainly going to have more opportunities um, yeah. on uh, uh, this upcoming season. So I'm I'm excited to see what he can do. And, and you hit on it, man. Uh, we found out today that uh, Bryce Thompson has officially narrowed his list down to three schools: Oklahoma State, OU, and Tulsa. Uh, he's going to be making that commitment decision tomorrow at noon. Um, that's Thursday at noon. It's now six o'clock on Wednesday, so that's why I say tomorrow. Um, yeah, man, this is interesting. I, I'm excited. I, I'm, I'm still not. I, I still wouldn't say that I'm incredibly confident. I like Oklahoma. I will say this: I like Oklahoma State's chances more than I do OU's chances. Um, Oklahoma State, and it's something that I talked about on my show. It's something I've written about. Um, you know, there's a lot of people complaining that Oklahoma State's not going out and getting a traditional big man. That's not the style of play that they have. They, they haven't played that style the past couple of seasons. You, they, they play small. They play fast, running and gunning. Um, you, they add two smaller forwards that, that fit into that scheme. Um, and there's a lot of people want to, you know, that want them to take a big man with this last remaining spot. But you lose Cade. You lose Farron, which Farron's not a huge loss, but you lose two guards, and you haven't replaced him yet. So yeah. you need to bring in a guard, and, and I think Bryce Thompson, you look at what he did, and he struggled. He was injured basically all year last year, only averaged four and a half points, but you know, look at what he did that senior season in high school. Um, his, he averaged 24 and a half points and six rebounds a game, so uh, and three, three assists a game as well. So you need to be able to replace that that production, and I think, I think if they're able to land Bryce Thompson, um, I think it. I think it goes a long way. I think he'll be comfortable with Mike Boynton. He obviously knows the guys on the team. Um, I, I think. I, I don't know about you, Marshall, but I, I think it would be a really good fit to add Bryce Thompson. Yeah, and I, I feel pretty confident about it. I've heard some good things from some people that like have pretty close sources that Same. Oklahoma State has a has a uh, kind of. I wouldn't say like sits at the top by any means, but like that they're. I think I think the, it's between Oklahoma State and Tulsa. I, I do. I, do I think too. it's I between just, those two schools. I, I don't see. I don't see anything positive with OU from from that standpoint. No, and, and mean, going back to before he committed to Kansas, I didn't see anything either. I think it's just. Know, an, I, mean, I think it's just an in-state thing. It's a. I respect. I do thing, too. I, guess. I think it's more of a just maybe like a respect thing, yeah. or maybe it's just. I don't even know if it's a respect thing. I think it might just be more of a confusion, a social media, a social media. <laughs> let's create some drama kind of stuff here. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I do think it will be Oklahoma State. Tulsa is another intriguing one. Obviously, that's where he's. He that's would be the he would and, be the guy if he went like if he went to Tulsa, it'd be his team, hundred percent. Plus, his, I, his dad played like there. With it's just with the way that Cade Cunningham, the way they went about that season. I think that that will be a a blueprint, if you will, because obviously um, Cade, number one player in the country, five-star. Bryce Thompson, I think he was like number 19 in the country, five-star as well. I think that that would be a blueprint for those high-level guys that like, 
you don't need to be the guy doing everything to get drafted very high if you're coming from Oklahoma State. Like, if you have the talent, we are going to do everything in yeah. our power to to show that, but also play team basketball. And I think that everything that Oklahoma State wanted to do with Cade Cunningham, they did outside of getting a ring, Yeah. right? But, but I mean, it was – I don't know how – and when you look back on it, it's like, yeah, that would have been cool, but I don't know how feasible a ring was because they went from nothing to everything so quickly. Really quickly, yeah. So, and I think that now that if they can create like a sustained level of that, if you bring in a Bryce Thompson, I would say that bringing in two five stars, kind of, I, I'd say back to back years, but in, in theory, back to back years. Back to back right? classes. Back to back class. Well, I mean, they were in the same class, but it's like, well, the commitment. Former it, five star. He basically is. He's technically in the twenty one class, right? So yeah, um, then I think you can really start to say like, okay, yeah, I could see them doing this at least one five star a year, or at least every other four year. star every year. Yeah. yeah, every other year, whatever it may be. So, um, I think they're gonna hit that sustained success, and I think that's when you'll really start to see like player or like this program winning a lot of meaningful games so and i mean i think you just look at other recruits like severe wheeler the georgia guy with him and his dad sitting down that was such a huge video yeah the way they talk about boynton and the way they describe oklahoma state it's not just in-state guys that think that it's guys that are looking from the outside that are understanding and realizing what boynton is building and that's why I think Brennan Thompson – or Brennan Thompson, sorry. That's why I think Bryce Thompson will pick Oklahoma State. But I Tulsa is kind of that weird yeah. question mark of a threat that's like, ah, I don't know, I can't tell. Yeah, so. it's his, his, folks went to, his folks went to Tulsa. You know, his dad played for Bill Self at Tulsa. Um, he's from Tulsa. You know, it, it would be his team. But you look at the success that Oklahoma State can give him yeah, Oklahoma State can give him a lot of success, you know, and that's I get that he, you know, he had a really down freshman season. It took him a while to adjust. He had a you know pretty serious back injury. His first game back, he breaks his finger against Oklahoma State here in Stillwater. Required surgery was basically done for the rest of the year. Um, I know he played a little bit later on um, in the year, but you look at I mean, just he, you could you could tell it wasn't the right fit, which. Yeah. You know, you want to talk about five stars, you want to talk about Kansas and and it, you know, those two go hand in hand, but you know, I you look at the relationship that he built with Mike Boynton, you know, you go back to September of 2019 when that recruiting period first opened, that dead period ended, Boynton was in Tulsa at midnight. Yeah. When the when the window opened, Boynton I mean, was in I, I, his it's house. just like and just kind of yeah, I just kind of wrap this point up too, but everything you said is like exactly right. Like it's when you look at it it's like Oklahoma State has to be the answer. You would right? think. Like nothing else makes as more. You look at everything, every single thing that <coughs> might play a factor, and Oklahoma State checks off the box. 100%. And it's like they have the opening, they have the ability, they have the coaching, they have the relationship, they have the blueprint, they have the, everything is there. So I'm very excited to see what happens tomorrow at noon. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, that's really that's really that. I mean, well, I'll tell you right now, Pokes Report will have uh, they'll have full coverage. Uh, we'll 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 have you covered from every angle. Um, I may or may not have stories written. You know, I may or may not be prepared. I don't know. You'll have to find out. I, I guess. may or I may or may not know the person that filmed his commitment video. Yeah. See, uh, you know. No, I don't. I don't know for sure who 
the ending, what the ending is, you just, I just know, know who it. filmed. Yeah, I just know who filmed. And I mean, it's one of my friends that uh, goes to OSU. So, um, that's I'm gonna say that. But he's also filmed commitment videos for dudes that have gone all over the country. So who knows? Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what it is. I um I, I like I said I'm. I don't know, man. I it's one of those things. Like I, I could see Oklahoma State or Tulsa. I think Oklahoma State makes a lot of sense. It checks off a lot of boxes, uh, especially with with the amount of eligibility uh, that Bryce Thompson has after that free season at Kansas. So uh, again, that's tomorrow at noon. That's uh, I guess today. If you're, <laughs> that'd be Thursday, uh, May uh, May thirteenth. But uh, it's May twelfth right now. We're recording this on Wednesday. So uh, that's that's Thursday at noon. Um, we'll have uh, we'll have full coverage on uh, pokesreport.com. But that's going to do it for the Pokes Report podcast. Um, I feel like we've done a better job. We've recorded three in a row. We're we're on a hot streak. Um, yeah. And uh, we'll probably do one uh, probably do one here in the next uh, two or three days. Um, we've got Eddie coming up. Uh, Eddie's getting inducted into the officially going into the Naismith Hall of Fame uh, on Saturday. Eddie Sutton after several several painstaking. Um, and miserable years of being cheated out. He's finally getting inducted in a hell of a class, too. Kevin Garnett, Kobe Bryant. I mean, you don't get much better than that. Um, really excited about that. Obviously, uh, you got uh, you got baseball coming up this week in a big series. Um, so plenty to talk about. Bedlam, uh, or excuse me, uh, football recruiting is coming up. Uh, that dead period is fixing to be over. So we'll, we've got some more stuff to talk about there. Um, that's going to do it for the Pokes Report podcast. For Marshall Levinson, I'm Zach Lancaster. We'll talk to you next time here on pokesreport.com.